The Gospel according to John, the ninth chapter. Lord, to you. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The authorities did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the authorities, for the authorities had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships and obeys God's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the chosen one? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you all for sheltering in place and staying home to prevent the spread of the coronavirus and to contain things so that our medical professionals and emergency services may continue at capacity. What does it mean to be a Christian during this COVID-19 pandemic? Together as a global society, we seek to slow the spread of the coronavirus so that the hospitals and medical professionals can care for the weakest among us and preserve life. We in the Bay Area and now all of California and other states are sheltering in place. How do we stay connected as a faith community, sheltering in place while also caring for our neighbors in need? As Lutherans, we have a writing from Martin Luther which is called, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. And surprisingly, it's not a simple yes or no. Sure, you can flee, or no, definitely don't flee. So it's useful to look at this text written in the time of a plague about 500 years ago in 1527. The plague was going across Europe and struck Wittenberg, which is in part of today's modern-day Germany. And Martin Luther you'll remember, had led a reformation, part of the European reformations. It was about 10 years in, so he was no longer a Roman Catholic monk, celibate. He had married a nun. They had started a family. They had children. His wife's name was Katie. They moved into the former monastery because all the priests in Wittenberg had left. So the former monastery was a home for them, an office, and part of Wittenberg University. So Martin Luther was now a father, a husband, a professor, and a pastor. And remember that 500 years ago, Germany was not a country of its own. It was not a republic. It was part of the Roman Empire. So every part of Germany had a local leader in charge of the people and the crops and the village and the area. They were sort of like mayors or governors, and sometimes they were called electors. So the local official in charge of Wittenberg was an elector named John. And the elector John ordered Luther, his family, and all the professors to flee because the plague was coming to Wittenberg. And Wittenberg University was moved to another town that didn't yet have the plague. But Luther stayed in Wittenberg to minister to the sick and scared and to set up a clinic in the wings of the university. 
Now remember, this was 500 years ago. There were no hospitals, no public schools, no knowledge of germ theory, no modern-day medicine. And Luther's wife, Katie, was pregnant. His son, Hans, refused to eat for three days at one point. A chaplain, George Rohrer, stayed to care for the sick, and his pregnant wife lost her baby and then her own life. Luther's wife, Katie, did live and gave birth to their daughter, Elizabeth, after the plague subsided. So Luther decided not to flee the deadly plague. He stayed and cared for the sick and the frightened. He also prayed and wrote about when it's okay to flee a deadly plague. And he outlined possible responses and ways that he saw people reacting to the plague. He pointed out when we go too far in one direction or the other, either endangering ourselves needlessly or abandoning others and not caring for our neighbor in need. People had all sorts of responses to the plague. Luther saw some reactions to try to avoid, such as becoming sick and refusing to take medicine. That was something that people were doing. They would refuse care, the type of care that people could give them. Another response to avoid is get sick and expose others. And then the third response to avoid that Luther saw was to help out of greed for personal gain. And I'm not sure what that really means because he didn't explain what it was, but I'm guessing it was something like a snake oil salesman selling potions to wealthy people, getting their money, but just passing along the plague and not really helping them. There are plenty of other responses to the plague, though, that Luther saw. Some fled to a safer place with no plague, and Luther said, that is okay for those with no obligation who are afraid, go ahead and flee. If you're not responsible for anyone else, just take your family and go. It was not okay, Luther said, for essential workers to flee. Those in public office have to stay and have to take care of their village or their area. And Luther included pastors in this category because they literally were running the clinics that were taking care of people back then. Another response was that some found capable substitutes and left, and that was fine. If you can find someone else to run the village, go ahead, put them in place, set them up, and then you can flee. Some served the sick and hated it. And Luther says that's a good option. You might hate doing it, but you're still caring for people. You're still caring for your neighbor in need and still doing God's ministry to them. Some abandoned their neighbors in need, but later repented to God, which Luther says is an okay option. If you're abandoning your neighbor out of fear, that's a completely natural thing to do. Some trusted God and helped as they could to serve their neighbor in need. This, of course, is the ideal option that we would lift up the gifts and resources that we have to safely and carefully support others. Some helped set up municipal homes and hospitals. Again, there was no hospital system or medical infrastructure to speak of, so it was very important for people to do that way back then. So you see there's lots of good options. And Luther wrote, People who will not help or support others unless they can do so without affecting their safety or property 
will never help their neighbor. No neighbor can live alongside another without risk to their safety, property, spouse, or child. Now fast forward to 2020, where we are. We don't have the option to flee from the coronavirus. It's global. We actually have to shelter in place to stay home and not move at all. So how do we avoid those two extremes, endangering ourselves needlessly while also not abandoning others? And that's always our challenge. How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves and take care of our neighbors in need? In today's gospel reading, Jesus healed a man born blind so that he could see. Jesus did not keep social distance. He was not in danger of catching something and becoming blind. He spat on the ground to make mud. He put mud on the man's eyes, which we can't imagine spitting and touching like that right now. And then he told the man to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man born blind went and washed in the pool of Siloam. And then he came back able to see. And who's the first person that he sees? Jesus, the Savior of the world, his healer. How can our community here at Faith Lutheran be a virtual pool of Siloam for supporting people in these fearful times? We're not going to flee There's nowhere to go where this coronavirus is not reaching, and we actually have to stay at home and shelter in place to keep everyone else safe. So that's how we help our neighbor in need, by staying home and only going out for an emergency when we need to get food or something like that. So let's figure out how to use technology, including good old-fashioned phone calls, to stay connected and support each other. If you are not in a high-risk group and feel called to help your neighbor in need, call or email the church office and let us know. We're trying to figure out a safe way to reopen our food pantry to get food to people who cannot afford to shop at grocery stores. Let us know if you have time or energy or resources to help with that in a safe way. Together, we can be a virtual pool of Siloam, drawing together while we shelter in place. Jesus will see us through this challenging time, and together we will move forward in faith. Amen.